1: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, episode 15.
2: This
3: is Writing Excuses, becoming a writer, full disclosure. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And the part of Dan this week will be played by... Dan!
2: Dan's back! Yay! Yay. (laughs) All right, so um, we had a listener write to us and say, tell me about the things they don't tell you about, the parts of the job that may not be your favorite part that, you don't, uh, that people don't get warned about. So we've created a list, and it was very easy to create, <laughs> a very long list, very quickly. Yeah. And the first one I'm going to ask about is bad reviews.
1: Yeah, so bad reviews are interesting, and this is one of the places where my, uh, my, my theater background comes in handy. Mm-hmm. When you get bad reviews... And it's, it's actually not the, uh, like they, they just kind of don't tell you about what's gonna be coming. There's the bad yeah. reviews from the, the, f- like, Goodreads and things like that. Yeah. Those you can kind of ignore. Right. But my first review for Shades of Milk and Honey mm-hmm. was, uh, Plotting and Wooden. Were two of the descriptions that were in there. And yeah. it's just, you look at it and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's just, Ow. And you
2: don't think it's going to hurt because you've gone through writing groups. Yeah. You're used to people, you know, criticizing your writing. And then, but then it comes out and it does.
1: Yeah, and The Kirkus
2: it... Review for Elantris was one of those. That, was it? You know, <laughs> Sanderson has a tin ear and this, you know, uh, it just is this like, it's not even horrible, but it was bad.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, and And that's the thing is that even a good review that you disagree with. Yeah hurts yeah mm-hmm. uh we just got a review for ruins that said uh something about you know kira is off on a new adventure where she has to decide if she will kill everyone she meets in order to save the world i'm like that paints the book in a little yeah more violent light than it really is <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, And it was a glowing positive review except it played up an aspect of the book that i
1: was not the me. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I,
4: you know related related to that is the review or the commentary where where somebody, somebody interprets your work for you as part of the review, yes. and you look at it and you say, I did not put that in there on purpose, and in fact, in doing a little soul-searching, I didn't put that in there accidentally, but that is now attributed to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I want to point out about these bad reviews that is different from a negative critique that you get yeah. with your group is that you look at it especially with your first one and mm-hmm. you know it's going to affect sales mm-hmm. and you look at it and you go oh my god my career is over yeah um and the other thing is as a writer you will focus on the negative like i can mm-hmm. quote the negative parts of that review right but I cannot quote to you any of the positive reviews that I got.
2: This is just human nature. Um, So preparing you for this, it will happen. Um, If you don't believe me, go read the one-star reviews of Hamlet. Yes. Um, It's going to happen. You're going to get bad reviews, and they're not just going to come on Goodreads and things. You are going to have professional reviewers that do not like your writing style. There is no one perfect writing style. Um, You're going to have to deal with that. And don't respond. Don't respond. Mm-hmm. Don't defend yourself. If this is something that really hits you hard, ask your agent or a family member to collect all the reviews and not show them to you until you are deep in working on your next project. Mm-hmm. And at a point where hearing about this won't completely throw you off because the real thing that's scary about these is when you get them, if it stops you from writing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah.
3: It there, it's also an option to just never read them at all, Yeah, uh, which is what I typically try to do. I will occasionally, if someone sends me one on Twitter that I know is going to be glowing, I'll read it just for the ego boost, but I don't read reviews.
2: There are uh, writers, my agent says, that uh, just have said, and this is perfectly right, send me the good ones. The agent collects them, gets a nice packet, sends it to them when they need a boost in the middle of their next project that they can read through and say, wow, I am good at this, and keep going. My my buddy
4: Dave worked for the company that made the Fantastic Four video game, Mm -hmm. and he had a review posted on his office wall to remind him that they made a mistake, and the review had a line in it that said, before we give this game, it's obligatory one star, we'd like to apologize to every other game to which we've only given one star. (laughs) Wow. And... And I remember that he had it on his wall because this was a case where the development team knew, you know what, we threw that one out the door, we shouldn't have done that. And so maybe there's something to learn from your reviews. but
1: Yeah, and and that is true. I will say that you can learn, but you cannot learn from them until you are in a place yeah. where you know how to evaluate them, and yes. that is not with your first book. No.
3: Alright, what, what, what All right. else? Next we have? one
1: is physical pain. Oh, Ouch. my yes. goodness. Uh, yeah. So, you want to dive into this one, Dan? Since um, I will
3: start. Um, I actually ended up, uh, this, this career gave me spinal surgery two years ago. I had to get my tailbone removed because I could not sit down to do my job. So I actually stood, and a lot of people do standing desks or tread desks anyway. Uh, but yeah, this, this job put me in a, in an operating room at one point.
2: And didn't you have something with your hands at one point as well?
3: Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was mostly a misdiagnosis by okay. an Instacare. But yeah, I, I ended up with, with uh, not carpal tunnel, but ulnar uh, mm. nerve damage.
4: Howard? Yeah, I am now allergic to Advil. Mm. Because... <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> okay, yes. If I, take, if I take more than two Advil during a week then i have gi difficulties and that is because i was using advil to compensate for the fact that my hand and arm hurt all the time because i had so many sketch editions to do i had so many comics to draw and hey you know doing the sketch editions cuz money mm-hmm. and and it was nice but it was really expensive and there have been times when you know even when i didn't think i was pushing too hard i got home and realized i need to soak my arm in a sink full of ice water because this hurts a lot.
1: Yeah and coming at it, it, it's interesting that you say that because you know I'm coming into it from a career in puppetry which is an incredibly Mm. physical activity and I have more back issues from writing than I did from when I was working a 125 pound puppet and part of it is that I know when I'm looking at a puppet that weighs 125 pounds, that I have to go to the gym and I have to be in condition. And as a writer, I'm like, I'm sitting in a chair all day. <laughs> you know, what happens if I slap? the worst thing that, that can, can happen. happen. You yeah. know, so, so one of the things they don't tell you is that your posture is going to suck, that you aren't going to get up and move around enough, that you, you know, that you will do repetitive things. So it's it's worthwhile talking to an occupational therapist mm-hmm. and coming up with good strategies or, you know, just read about it.
3: Well, and it's worth the expense, you know, the yeah. extra 50 bucks to get the really nice office chair yes. instead of yeah. the crappy one. Mm-hmm. And everyone's different. I know Brandon writes on a couch. I write on a couch or in an easy chair. His and
2: his that I've perfectly. never had any problems with any of this because I am always leaning back really... And I don't know if this is bad posture or what, but it works for me. Um, but I also do use the tread desk, and I get yeah. up every hour or two and, ru- and walk for a half hour while I'm typing.
1: Yeah, and I think the getting up every hour is, is really the thing that, yeah. where I failed at.
2: You know, I think mm-hmm. the worst part
4: about the, the actual physical pain, the physical injury, is that when you try and explain this to anybody else who has anything oh poor guy sitting in your chair oh yeah
1: actually one other thing that i'm going to mention which is tangentially Mm -hmm. related that they don't tell you about um, is is that the change in occupation will cause your weight to change some people it goes up some people it goes down but the change in activity is going to cause a change in your physical structure and you need to be aware of that going in and and watch for things like watch for you forgetting to eat or you eating too much at your desk whichever it is
3: yeah well and it's worth no pointing out very briefly once you get to the point where you're doing book tours that's a yeah, week yeah, or yeah, two yeah. or three weeks where you are eating out constantly yep. and
1: and it's very easy to fall into the oh well you know i should treat myself because i'm working so hard yeah, and, and then
3: you eat greasy junk every day for right. every meal I've I've gotten to the point where when I travel, I try to eat vegetarian just Mm -hmm. because I know it will force me into a better diet.
1: Yeah, I am vegetarian. And I when I travel, I eat fish because otherwise I starve on tour.
5: (laughs) Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.
2: Let's go to our book of the week, which is Shambling Guide by Mer Lafferty.
4: Oh, yes. Mer Lafferty's uh, Shambling Guide to New York City. It's the story of a technical writer who gets a job writing a, you know, a, a travel guide type book to New York City that is designed for zombies and vampires and the, uh, the assorted, uh, coterie, I think is what she calls them in the book, um, who are denizens of New York. Um, and so it's a, uh, it's, it's an urban fantasy. It's delightful. Um, I loved it. And the, the sequel is actually out now. Um, the ghost train in New Orleans. Um, both are available on audio, but you definitely want to start with shambling guide. Uh, small content warning. There's some sexy peril in there that somebody's going to read to you out loud. Um, but that
1: I, is going to read to you out that loud.
4: That that's right. Murr uh, narrated this herself. Um, and she's got a podcast, which we love. The I Should Be Writing. Uh, podcast. All right. Um, so uh, go out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start yourself a free 30-day trial membership and grab The Shambling Guide to New York City by uh, Mer Lafferty, absolutely free.
2: One thing that I wanted to put onto this list of things they don't tell you about that um, that you should prepare yourself for is once you are writing professionally, you will have deadlines. Most people are ready for deadlines and that meaning, oh, I have to work really hard or I may have to put some extra time into this. The thing about deadlines that blindsided me is I, as a writer, get very deep into a project. I think most of us do. Yeah. The the Ray Bradbury type, write on one thing one day, write on another thing another day, is very rare. Uh, most of us, you know, you're working deep on a book and you're really into it. And that's when Inevitably, you will get a call or something from the publisher. That says, "All right, we have copy edits in. You need to do this and have it back next week." Yeah. The, co- the deadlines interrupting your other deadlines are what is so frustrating about this.
1: Yeah, I just had that happen. I was for for of noble family. I was working on that proofing valor and vanity, mm-hmm. and. Proofing the trade paperback corrections for right. *Without a Summer*, so I was working on all three of the books yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, and just It's just makes yeah. and that's that's actually just in one universe, and it yeah. still made my brain explode.
4: Uh, for that's what part happened of the to problem, me, yeah, that's part of the problem that I have ongoing because right. *Schlock Mercenary*. There is a rolling thirty-day deadline, right. which is that you know I, I need to have the comics uploaded thirty days in advance so that I can remain sane. And then if there are other projects that I'm working on, I have to be Ray Bradbury. I have to be yeah. able to work mm-hmm. on multiple things. Uh And, yeah, when a deadline rolls in where somebody says, yeah, you know, can we get this in two weeks? Yes, but in order for you to get it in two weeks, I have to shave two weeks off of my comic buffer. And then I have to put those back in somewhere, mm-hmm. and there's a convention coming up. and. Oh my holy time management! Yeah, um, is... I would
2: say for me the the biggest problem with this is that I need momentum on a book to get through the first draft, and interrupting a first draft yeah. is absolutely miserable for me. Um, and it's particularly miserable if you have something like I have going on, where I have two publishers. Having two publishers makes this exponentially harder where you're working on a book you're deep into this book and your other publisher writes and says we need these revisions you promised to add this chapter to the book that we talked about in revision and you're just like "Ah, i can't i need two more months to finish this book that i'm working on but they can't wait two months Mm -mm. you have to stop do this book and it completely destroys your momentum yeah and it's something that you have to learn as a writer your own process be aware of your process and try to try to work with this
1: this will this is one of the reasons that um, that when I'm doing short fiction, even I will outline it mm-hmm. because when that interruption comes, when I come back to the story, I don't have to it's because I'm not holding it in my head anymore, and I can at least remember a little bit where I am. I am I can...
4: outlining a lot more than I used to for this exact reason. you know I've started doing uh, a lot of short fiction for privateer press. You know I've got uh, multiple Schlock mercenary projects I'm working mm-hmm. on. And I can no longer afford to discovery-write things because when I get interrupted, not if I get interrupted, when I get interrupted, information will be lost if I haven't put
1: it down somewhere in an outline.
2: Um, the last one on this list was one that Mary actually added, which is not getting time to read for leisure.
1: Yeah, that was something that they really did not. No one told me that when I signed up to be a professional writer, that mm-hmm. my leisure reading time basically is dropped to nothing. When I'm reading a book these days i'm either because I write historical among other mm-hmm. things I'm either reading for research or frequently I'm reading to blurb for somebody right mm-hmm. you know I'm reading arcs which is which is great right you know, I'm getting to read interesting things, but I'm not getting to pick up things that I want to read based on right you know just my own personal you know that looks interesting and i'm I'm also because of knowing how my own brain works, I have to be careful about the kind of books that I pick up and read.
2: Right. Unconscious influence. Exactly.
3: Yeah, I uh, was really getting annoyed by this. And so my solution was it, and it's not a still a perfect solution, but I've been teaching myself to speed read, Mm. um, which changes the experience of reading. But it has helped a lot. I've been able to read a lot more because I can read literally twice as fast as I used to, hmm. and still have a lot of room for improvement on it. So. Yeah.
2: What um, what has helped me is actually audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, this whole book of the week thing, um it, it works for me because I have enough stuff that I do that is not um active full brain usage. Like for instance, I'll get sent two thousand tip-in pages, I call it, that'll get bound into a book. And I'll sign those, or I'll sign this or that, or there's things I work on. Beyond that, I found that um, early in my career, you spend all day writing, working with words. You, then you spend all day revising. And then you read a few chapters for someone's book for a blurb. And by the time you're done with that, you do not want to be sitting there reading. Um, and audiobooks have allowed me to do something else. I can sit and I can sort magic cards mm-hmm. and still be reading. Um, and they, that's worked really well for me. Uh, a, a side effect of this is, um, I don't know if it happens to you guys, but a lot of people give me their books mm-hmm. when I'm on tour or something. And they're yeah. like, will you read my book? Um, and you know, I'm sure they're just thinking, well, he reads anyway, cause I do. And then there's the sense of what, well, maybe he'll read my book. I don't think they quite understand how little time I have and how precious that time is for me to go read something I really would like to enjoy. Um, and so it's very hard for me to get to these books. Um, I appreciate being given them, but I'm really not getting to very many of them at all.
1: Yeah. I don't even have time to read like, like mm. I haven't even read your new book. Yet. Right. Right. Of course, granted that will take me five weeks. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's a, it's a,
2: it's a little bit big, but anyway, um, let's do a writing prompt. Dan, you're back.
1: Haha, <laughs> yes, You can give us a writing
2: hurts prompt. Hurts
3: so much. Um, okay, a writing prompt. I mean, in your right? he's talking yes. his way into this. <laughs> my I way into you know, I'll, I'll give you one. <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks, Mary.
1: So your writing prompt is that uh, your main character is in fact a writer, mm-hmm. and they want to write, but cannot because of some other completely bizarre professional requirement that is not one of the things that we have
0: talked about.
2: All right. Excellent. This has been writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.